The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services, FESTS. I am your host, Bobby Williams. Last month was one of our biggest months in the history of the show. So I just want to thank everyone who has been listening and especially those who have been subscribing. Any platform lets you subscribe and feel free to tell a friend, tell a friend to tell a friend. Help us community build here. Today we're talking about the serious topic of suicidal ideation. Our guest is Emily Drake. Emily is a very successful person. She is the founder of the Collective Academy, a leadership development organization. She is the host of the Who's Listening podcast and a mental health clinician. Emily has also had multiple times in her life where she's suffered and had to deal with suicidal ideation. She gave us a very honest take on her story, and most importantly, she talked with us about how she was able to get through those challenging times. I hope that you'll gain something from this conversation. Let's give it a listen. There are things that all of us can push through. I think I pushed through so much that it was impossible for me to keep going. Um, What other people's limits are, and this is something else I think is really important, my watch signs, your watch signs, it's very individual. Um, There are, of course, I could pull out the DSM and we could start looking at like, what are the checklists? But this is why I love doing the work that I do is when you know yourself, then you know what you need to look for. So again, sleeplessness was a big trigger for me. Uh, It would set up me feeling like I wouldn't be able to show up for the day. Um, And then it was just a spiral of, you know, not getting sleep, not being able to, being able to function, but having that sense of like, the bill will come due. And I have front-facing work. Um, I get up in front of people um, and I talk about the things that, you know, I've struggled with and I help leaders around the world sort of get through what they're struggling with. And um, that was probably uh, the, the most, you know, cause and effect that I can, that I can really correlate. Um, but I'll say this, I didn't know that I wanted to kill myself until the day I had a plan to do it. Mm. So both. Well, that's that's the marker right there is, do you have a plan? Yeah. And that's when like it really raises red flags for people. Yeah. So I'll say this, I've tried, you know, I <laughs> when you say you struggle with sleep, our society has a real aversion for suboptimal human beings, Mm -hmm. whatever the hell that means, you know? But when I say that, I mean like you aren't allowed to have problems, disabilities, 
mental health issues, you know, any sort of divergence from, you know, being cis, het, white, right? Like anything outside of those categories, people start to move away from you because it's different and that's not okay. And we're all working on that. Um, so when I would say I haven't slept or people would ask me like, how did you sleep? And then they'd say things like, you know, have you tried warm milk? How about melatonin? Well, mm -hmm. here's the thing. By the time I was pacing around my kitchen island, considering taking all of the pills I had accumulated, because I had tried everything and the body is a marvelous thing. It can fight through all sorts of stuff. Uh, for good and for for not so good. Um, you know, I had tried everything on the market. I had no other option. That's how it felt. And that's when I had the thought, I can just take all of these pills. And I remember I was praying in my bed. I don't know to who. I don't even know to what. But I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, so, you know, it was the sleeplessness and then the medication for the sleeplessness that really offered me a way out. Something you're making me think about is that society, it's like you have to always be on and especially mm -hmm. like a public facing job, like what you're doing or you're there for other people. I remember, mm -hmm. you know, I work with youth and I'm like interfacing with youth directly. And so when I'm going through something like a few years ago, I had a divorce and then mm -hmm. it's like, okay, but you got to turn it on for the people and really uh, be there for them. Yep. But yeah, it's tough. And then when you're struggling, you feel like you're a burden on people yes. too sometimes, or it's like, oh, I'm just negative and bringing people down. Yeah. Was that your experience with your friends and like people you talked to? You know, I'm, I also am divorced and I'll say this, um, no one knew how bad it was. Hmm. My marriage ended amicably. So I'm not talking about my marriage here. Um, but no one knew the extent. I have voice memos that I recorded from that time. I'm so glad I do because not even I really remember how bad it was. Um, I can remember it in my body. But yeah, that that uh, this is why I say we're resilient. Um, because somehow I was able to show up and be helpful. And I'll tell you this too, my work, uh, my first podcast episode for Who's Missing, I recorded on the day I wanted to kill myself. Um, wow. And I can't believe I did that. And how did that happen? I mean, how do you, how does that even work, right? Like, how do you do that? Well, I think like talk therapy, everyone's, big on talk therapy and talk therapy is obviously important, but I think having something to engage in and be about and have community around, like that's oftentimes mm -hmm. a good way to just kind of push through everything sometimes. Yep. Yeah. And I showed up that day for my producer, Christina. It was the first episode we were doing. I knew I couldn't bail on it. Um, but I, I, even after recording it, that's when I when I really thought, okay, I've got all these pills. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, and this is what I think is wildly uncomfortable to talk about is it can happen to anyone. You're right. Yeah. It could happen to anyone. Like here you see this 
person who's successful and mm -hmm. you're there helping other people, but then you're also struggling. What was your process to like wade through all this and come out on the other side? Yeah, you know, I was very fortunate to be a part of a 12 step community at the time um, called Overeaters Anonymous, which I've since left, um, you know, not forever, but for now. What the beauty of the reason I bring that up is what's beautiful about 12 step programs, and they don't, you know, necessarily work for everybody, but in my experience, is there's a lot of structure. Um, meetings, sponsor, sponsees, stuff you have to show up for, right? And and I had a job to show up for, but even that, right? So I I um I had people calling me all the time. Well, and that's sort of accountability too. Yep. Yep. I had people calling me all the time. My friend Jen who lived in uh uh where does she live? Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> my friend Jen called me and I was, I, I told her, I said, I'm scared. And this was just a random call. Uh, I'm scared. I have a plan. Um, and Jen's no one, you know, like in the medical community, she's not necessarily equipped. This is when back to your question, like triggering people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't have time to give it. Oh, sorry. This is clean. Um, I didn't have time to give a care that Jen mm -hmm. is an attorney, right? Um, and a friend, and I just went for it. And I had, I told her. Um, and she's the one who asked me, uh, have you called your psychiatrist? Do you have someone to talk to? And I was like, oh, what a novel idea. So it was that interruption um, along with, I was living with my mom at the time. I had a place in Chicago, but I, when I tell you my sleeplessness, anxiety, and depression was like getting, I was afraid, even as I look back, like I was like, I need to be cared for. I need to be with, so there's something about it that I was like, I got to reach through this and I can't be by myself. So even before I, I had a plan, um, and so I, I knew enough then to, Jen helped me uh, gather up the medication and I took it to my mom's. Smart. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems like for you, part of the answer was having that community and support around you. And yep. then suicide can be, I mean, it's such an impulsive thing. Like if you could yes. just wait 10 minutes, you could be on the other side and not feel it so intensely. So it's just trying to do something to get you out of that, that 10 minutes. So intense feeling. Yep. And, you know, you've said you've dealt with this multiple <laughs> times throughout your life. And I think mm -hmm. that's one of the scary parts of, you know, like, what if these feelings come back again? Will I make it through the next wave? Do you think having gone through it before, did it help you the next time mm -hmm. you felt like that to, get through it easier and be like, oh, well, I felt like this before I'll get through. Or when you were in that time again, the second time, was mm -hmm. it like you just lost all perspective and you were just so in that moment? My experience is there's, so there's an answer to your question. I'm feeling like 
is the practical one. And then there's the truth. So I'm mm. going to say the truth for me. Uh, it didn't matter that I had done it before. Um, and I, I, I think all at once, I don't want to say that because it sounds like, well, then aren't we, a, you know, a collection of our experiences and aren't you less likely if you've, and I, I just, I, for me, that wasn't the case. Did medication help you at all? Or was that part of getting through all this? Yeah, I was medicated at the time. I tried um, a number of different medications at the time. I was taking, like I said, sleep medication and trying to make that work, you know. And then I was also taking an antidepressant, going to therapy, part of a 12-step program. So again, you know, I, I think this gets back, Bobby, to your question before about like, can I be, a, what if I trigger someone? No one was talking to me necessarily about killing myself, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I really don't, it's not real uh, to me that we will incite an idea um, that already lives within us, which is like a, a pain tolerance. Like, can we get through it? And I, I think, you know, the second time around, what made it really different, really different in how I got through it, because I wound up taking a medical leave and going to treatment for anxiety and depression was because at that point at 42, not 30, I had more awareness of who I was and who was there for me and who wouldn't judge me, mm -hmm. you know? Do you think now it's like, well, this depression or whatever I deal with, that's kind of part of who I am. And mm -hmm. I just have to figure out how to best mitigate it and get through those times and kind of like, I'm just going to live with this because it's just part of me for whatever reason. And then how can we make the best of this? Yeah. Living with parts. I love, you know, internal family systems and, and you know, conversations about parts um, because it is part of me. It's why I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I wouldn't be talking about my own experience if I hadn't thought that it was as much a part of me as is me being, you know, um, uh, let's see, like really interested in female pop music. You know what I, like it really, I don't, I don't say that to neutralize it, but I say it because it's true, you know? Um, I am someone who has had a plan to kill themselves twice in my life. And I am also so many other things, you know? Yeah. And maybe yeah. there's kind of a other side of it too, of like, I'm a very feeling person and that's why I'm good in these other domains in my life. And so it's like, it's bad on some levels, but it's also empowering sometimes. Yeah. I think this is probably your experience too, as a fellow human being, but anytime there's been a part of me that I've tried to not have anyone know about. Um, gosh, it just, it, it, it's, it's horrible. That's the suffering, you know, we talk about in, uh, in treatment, we talked a lot about the second arrow and, you know, we all feel pain, but oh my God, we are the only species that judges that pain mm -hmm. as being suboptimal, right? 
So I think that talking about suicide in all of its facets, very uncomfortable for civilians, right? Like people who don't work or have lived with or have navigated it themselves. And to that, I say, okay, it's uncomfortable. That's okay. Mm -hmm. It's still yeah. important to talk about. I think yeah. a piece of it too is there's just so capitalism, just so much societal Ugh. pressure to like keep producing. You got to show up to work every day and it's just always sort of like go, go, go. And so it's hard to take a time to be like, I just need a month or two months here to get healthy. Yeah, yeah, take the time. And believe me, I mean, my first time around, I remember my husband at the time and my mom uh, made me quit. Because even though I was having suicidal thoughts, I thought, or ideation, I thought to myself, um, Emily Drake doesn't quit things. Mm -hmm. You know, so that outside intervention, the permission, God, I love giving people permission uh, to step away. Um, is something we need more of, not to mention, you know, you mentioned capitalism, <laughs> we could talk about, right, like ableism and sexism, all the isms that keep us on a very narrow path in life. And so, you know, if anyone were to call me and say, especially on my team, I need a break, it's like no questions asked, you know? Um, but I realize maybe people like you and I are very fortunate in that way. Um, and part of what I'm on a mission to do at the Collective Academy is along with my business partner and my team, talk about how mental health is an employer's responsibility as well. You know, nobody gets, gets, you don't get to have all the great in life without also like taking responsibility for helping through struggle. It's just, you have to do both if you're a leader. Um, but the next question is, well, how, right? How do I help? And I think hopefully today so far, you know, we're at least saying, well, you gotta talk about it. You gotta be okay with yeah. discomfort. Yeah. Openness and having community around you and recognizing it, like being honest with yourself too seems so important. Yes. I, I wish we had like two hours to talk Me too. about this because, you know, it's such a big, important conversation. But do you have any closing messages or any words of hope that you want to give our audience here? Oh, gosh, yes. Uh, there, you mentioned it earlier, Bobby, about, you know, being able to get through that initial, that initial kind of like intensity and impulse. Um, so if you're not in that place today, I think really what I want to say is, and this is what Who's Missing My Podcast is all about, Get yourself, find those people who are living in a way that you want to live like and go the distance to develop those relationships. Um, they are life-saving. They're also really fun. And if you don't know how to do that, I'm here to help. I know the folks who put out this podcast are here to help. Um, but I say this all the time, like one of us has to say, I love you first, right? Uh, when you're in a romantic relationship. And so I'm saying, right, I'm saying like, I need my community. You got to say like, I need help. It's getting used to 
I hope you can edit this effectively, but getting used to the skill of asking for help, doing it in small ways and big ways can be really, really nurturing and nourishing for someone, you know? No editing necessary. I think that was yeah. a great note to close on. So <laughs> Emily Drake, thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, thanks for having me. I had a great time. Even talking about something as, you know, as charged, right? Hopefully we made it a little less, less scary to talk about. I hope so. Conversations like this are important to have. Be sure to listen to Emily's podcast, the Who's Listening podcast, all streaming platforms. This has been the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace.